New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Creativity emerges from one of our most distinctive powers as human beings. Creativity grows from imagination. However, you could be imaginative all day long and never do anything. Creativity is the practical process of putting your imagination to work. We may all have creative capacities, but not everyone realizes them. These are the words of Sir Ken Robinson in the foreword to Michael Gelb's book, Creativity on Demand. Gelb acknowledges that in today's world, creativity is necessary. Increasing complexity means that the demand for creativity in our personal and professional lives is even greater than ever before. Today, we'll be exploring how we can ignite and sustain our creative fire with our guest, Dr. Michael Gelb. Michael Gelb is a business consultant, seminar leader, and authority on applying genius thinking to personal and organizational development. He's also a certified Qigong teacher and co-author of several books, including Innovate Like Edison, Brain Power, Improve Your Mind As You Age, and author of How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, and Creativity On Demand, How to Ignite and Sustain the Fire of Genius. Join us for the next hour as we explore some practical wisdom of how we can manifest more creativity and genius in our lives with our guest, Dr. Michael Gelb. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Michael, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to have you once more in our studio, and I want to congratulate you on this book. And, of course, we're going to be talking about creativity, but I want to first talk about chi, of, or our vital energy, mm-hmm. because you talk about how it's very connected with our creativity. So, what do you mean by chi, or vital energy? Well, most wisdom traditions from all over the world have some concept of creative universal energy. It's called chi in China. It's ki in Japanese. It's prana in India in the Hindu tradition. It's ruach in the Hebrew tradition. So let's just call it creative universal energy. And we can abbreviate it Q, creative universal energy, Q. And we can abbreviate it further by using the letter Q. 
to represent the notion of Q, creative universal energy. Now, all these wisdom traditions also suggest that this energy is intelligent, that it has an intelligence of its own. So intelligence, I, QI, creative universal energy that is intelligent, just happens to be the Chinese word qi. <laughs> and, right. and qi, QI, is quite interestingly, the secret of quality improvement <laughs> in your life. Interesting. And so, so everybody wants to be creative, but a lot of people don't have the energy. True enough, yes. And, and for thousands of years, people have been studying how do you cultivate that energy? You know, everybody's familiar with the idea of chi as the secret of the martial arts. Why, why is Bruce Lee such an amazing movie star? Because his energy just powered right off the screen. Uh, and, and then his successors, you know, Jackie Chan and, and, and Jet Li, they've got something more than just the moves. There are a lot of people who can do the physical moves. I can moves. think of uh, the, the woman in the Hunger Games, like a more modern, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or a female kind of person like that. Yeah, It's universal. It's equal opportunity for, for both genders yes, uh -huh. <laughs> to manifest and express it. Uh, so it's the secret of martial power. Uh, and ha having done and taught martial arts for many years, I know that to be the case. Uh, it's also the underlying secret of the healing arts. So you go to an acupuncturist, and your acupuncturist is helping to free up the blockages of chi. When your chi is blocked, you have disease. When your chi is flowing, you are healthy. So we know that this is the secret of the martial arts. We know it's the secret of uh, traditional Chinese healing, for example, and also really every other wisdom tradition's healing is about having the life force, the vital energy flowing harmoniously through you. And there are all sorts of wonderful ways from every tradition for facilitating that flow. Well, if you go back in traditional Chinese culture, for example, it's just understood that qi is also the secret of great art and creativity. You... All the old jokes, the old sort of California jokes, you know, make me one with everything, become one with the tree. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. guess what? All that actually comes from ancient Chinese texts on how to paint a tree. Right. You can't paint it till you become one with it. And, the, and the, the masters who write these texts explain that you have to cultivate the qi within yourself. You must have this quality of vastness and freedom within yourself to translate it onto a canvas, for example. So it's the secret of martial arts, it's the secret of healing, and it's the missing link in our efforts to be creative. And that's not just for artists, because today we all need to be artists of life if we want to be fulfilled and happy and navigate our way through this complexity. So what we're doing here in Creativity On Demand is guiding people to use this ancient wisdom, but apply it so that you can raise your baseline of creative energy right now. I, I want to say to our listeners, just to describe the book, it's filled with uh, practices, and it has many pictures. And, and so as, a, as a, a Qigong teacher or instructor or practitioner, 
uh, you you really fill it, all the pages, with these wonderful instructions. And one of them that I wanted to start with, because it was one that I, I, mm-hmm. I just loved in the very beginning, and I was trying to remember the name of it, but it it was the the one where you you had us sit down and slumped in a chair uh-huh, and yeah. thinking you know <laughs> and then you had us jump up and bouncing can you describe that one for us sure well people think of chi as some sort of esoteric mystical thing we're all it's part of our everyday life you wouldn't have an everyday life if you didn't have chi when you're out of chi you're out of here <laughs> <laughs> and and so I, what i wanted to do is to help people understand that this is something that you already know you already understand. So just the feeling you have after you take a shower. Most people feel really refreshed, not to mention the fact, by the way, that it's the number one place where most people get their best ideas. (laughs) Do you think there might be something uh, 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 going on there? And we'll talk about that in a moment. So you take take a shower, uh, you have a big belly laugh, and you feel more alive, more open, more creative. So there are two main ways we we are affected by our relationship with chi. Uh, one way is I call it extrinsic phenomena. How does the environment affect you? Uh, obviously, people love. To, why do people love to go to beautiful places? Why do they go to the Grand Canyon? Why do they love to stand by the ocean? Why are the beaches always filled? Why do people climb to the top of mountains? Because you feel the energy, you feel this inspiring beauty. And if you are in an airport uh, restroom, you know, it just doesn't do quite as much for you. <laughs> not quite. And most of us are not sitting at the beach. Right. Some of us are in cubicles We're in or cubicles. in our home so, or in our car. So the simplest thing I'm trying to do is there are ways you can bring the beach and the mountaintop to, your, to the restroom at the airport <laughs> or to your office uh, or to your cubicle, uh, to the subway, to your car in traffic. It begins with just understanding, okay, how does the, how does the world around you affect your chi? So one of the exercises in the book is I get people to listen to metal machine music from Lou Reed. I, I don't know if you had a chance uh, to actually I listen to it. I did. I did. It was excruciating. Right? Oh, my it's, goodness. It's, and, and, what's fa- you know, and what I say in the book is I say any sentient being will immediately experience a depression, a contracting of your life energy when you listen to this hideousness. And the, uh, people debate whether he did this uh, as a joke or as a protest against the right. mechanization of modern and life. People might not have heard his name, Lou, Lou Reed, Reed. Lou Reed. The, the late right. R- Lou Reed. Yes. Right. Metal machine. Metal machine music. Yeah. You can, you know, the great thing now is you can uh, just, just, yeah. just go online and, and listen to it for as long as you can take, which I predict <laughs> won't be more than a couple seconds. Because exactly. you'll, feel, you'll feel your chi start to dissipate and, con- and contract. Then... Find that Lou Reed do and immediately you're smiling. Right? Even right now, we just yeah, even though exactly. we're talking about it and there's a meta thing going on here, as I just give you the beat, we both we both you notice that we both uh, raised up to a, a more balanced posture, and you feel more lively energy. Well, that's a very simple way of understanding chi. Then, of course. Uh, uh, the food that you eat, 
the sounds that you hear, the impressions in your life every day, but also, and this is the really important thing, is the intrinsic way we affect our chi. So if we do the exercise I suggest in the book, if you, if you slump and breathe through your mouth and think about something you know, really depressing like Congress or taxes, <laughs> again, you can immediately feel it start to suck your energy away. You just you have less energy in that moment for anything you'd want to create. So if instead you decide to sit up or even better stand up for 30 seconds uh, at your full height, and then one of the simplest Qigong practices is you, you bounce without lifting your feet. You just shake your whole body. And you know, it's kind of like people say, well, that's, that's you know, I used to do that at the disco. <laughs> and you know, kids naturally do it. They naturally do it. It's a natural expression you of the exuberance. see a toddler doing it. And, I mean, who has the most energy? It's little <laughs> children. Who has the most charisma? Little kids. Who has the most amazing creativity and imagination? Little children. But uh, that, that is, we tend to spend that. We tend to use it up. So what if there was a way when you're starting to you know, lose a little bit of that sparkle, you're 30, you're 40, you're 50, you're 60, you're 70, you're 80, you've, you know, and each decade you're losing some of that uh, sparkle, you're losing some of that vitality. What if there was a way cultivated over thousands of years for you to get it back? Exactly. There is. There is. There is. There is. And you just described a very simple way. I'm here with Dr. Michael Gelb, and he spells his name Michael Gelb, G-E-L-B. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, michaelgelb.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website. He's the author of Creativity on Demand, How to Ignite and Sustain the Fire of Genius. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Michael Gelb, and he's the author of Creativity on Demand, How to Ignite and Sustain the Fire of Genius. Michael, we're talking about chi, about vital energy, and about creativity. Now, you've described chi pretty thoroughly. How does that relate to creativity? Well, it's the missing link for a lot of people. I've been teaching people how to develop a creative mindset for the last 35 years? What are the attitudes and orientations that help us bring out the best in our creative self? If, if you just get people to change their self 
concept. Today, they call it self-efficacy. If you think I'm not creative, and then we get you to change and think I might be creative, your score on creativity test goes up right away. Just having a different attitude right, right, is what you're saying. Right. So the attitude, and there are other elements. You know, I've studied these great creative minds, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Edison, Queen Elizabeth I, to understand not only what I could learn from what people wrote about them, uh, what their attitude was, and, and how they were able to be so phenomenally creative. But then I actually read their own writings, and in many cases, they give advice to their students on how to be more creative, and I just paid attention. So what are the attitudes, and then what are the processes? So mind mapping is one of the great tools for generating more ideas in less time. Uh, doing some form of stream of consciousness writing uh, is another now, great way. Now, let's slow that down a little bit because you mentioned mind mapping, and yes. that's a whole subject. So describe what mind mapping is. Sure. Mind mapping is a way to uh, generate ideas using images and keywords. It works in a nonlinear, non-hierarchical, free-flowing way. You start in the center of the page instead of top down. We all learn to think by outlining. So That's a lot right. of us are still waiting for idea Roman numeral one. <laughs> <laughs> or if we get that, right. then what is the A and the B? <laughs> but what, exactly. But one of the principles of, of creative thinking is generate lots of ideas and then analyze them. I, in the and, book. and the mind map, it, it, it looks like almost like branches of a tree, and, and, it, and you talk about using yes. lots of different colors. Yes. It's a natural, organic, free-flowing way to map your ideas that allows you to move creatively and easily from one idea to another. Instead of waiting for the right idea, you learn to express the next idea thereby surprising your habitual mind. And one of the, one of the secrets of creativity is to be open, attitudinally is to be open to surprise and wonder. Because if it's creative, it's really going to surprise you. So then there's a process. So the attitude is be open to surprise and wonder, be playful. But the, what we need is a technique or a process. Mind mapping is one of the great techniques that I've taught for many, many years. This book started as a mind map. Uh, and it's a way of taking that attitude and putting it into a process. So you, in other words, you're generating ideas, you're printing keywords, you're going off in different directions. And by the way, I strongly recommend to people to do, I call it, art, now I call it artisanal mind mapping. Oh, That means right. get a big sheet of paper and colored pens because you don't get the same inspiring benefit for your brain when you click and drag somebody else's icon on a mind mapping program. You get much more it's engagement more when you do it yourself. It's more kinesthetic, isn't it? You, it's and, more, and, it's, and on a large yes. piece of paper, what I'm hearing from you is that you're using large muscle movements rather than these tiny little little ones. So that's just the picture I'm getting there. The, well, that's, a, that's an accurate picture. And you're just much more engaged. You're much yeah. more engaged. You're using more, much more of your brain. And you'll also have more fun. Uh, right. Once you get past your thought, I can't draw or... Right. So anyway, so so mind mapping is one of the creative processes. I, I wrote about it uh, in How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. Right. Uh, I've taught my clients how to do this for over 35 years. So we've got the, the creative mindset and the creative process. 
Now, before we, let's talk about the creative mindset. Let's just talk about mindset for just a moment mm-hmm. because you've mentioned that several times. There is this fixed mindset or habitual mindset, and then there is the creative mindset. So how do we move from that habitual into the creative? Well, the first thing is if you have a fixed mindset, you have to recognize it. And a fixed mindset, you know you have it when, well, if you have too much of a fixed mindset, you're probably not listening to New Dimensions. (laughs) 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 So, so, but you probably, you know, some of us can have, we can have a a growth-oriented mindset in some areas of our life and a fixed mindset in other areas of our life. So, and there are a lot of people who, uh, who are coachable. Basically, a, a growth mindset is you're coachable. You want to learn. You're seeking feedback. You're aiming to improve. You practice deliberately. You work on the things you're not good at. You suspend your ego identification and your sense of self-worth through getting it right. And instead, you identify with the process and the joy of learning versus I don't want to hear what, uh, what I'm doing wrong because I believe that my talent should be sufficient. And if, if something's going wrong, it means I'm a failure and there's no hope. Right. So, <laughs> now, the good news is uh, this is based on the work of uh, Dr. Carol Dweck at Stanford. Uh, she's been studying this phenomenon. How does mindset affect your performance? And we, you know, we tend to all think, that, well, talent is really what's important. And it, obviously, it's more important in some areas than others. Uh, it's more important in athletics in particular. Uh, but in almost every area of human endeavor, what Dweck and other researchers have found is that over time, the growth mindset trumps the fixed mindset. And somebody, if we have people, certainly people with equal talent, the person with the growth mindset will far outperform the person with the fixed mindset. So now that's a really important point because we think, okay, I'm born with this talent and that's fixed and that's it. But you're saying that you can enhance whatever it is in any endeavor if you go to that open mindset. Well, that's what what Dweck, if if you have that open mindset and you practice and you learn and you learn deliberately and you work on the things you're not good at, which people don't want to do. They just want to do what they're good at because when they were uh, kids, somebody told them that making a mistake was bad. So they say, well, if I'm making mistakes, it means I'm not good. So they stop doing that activity. But here's what's, what's really uh, striking about uh, Dweck's research. So I said, given equal talent, the person with the growth mindset will outperform. But even, even if you have somebody with more talent and a fixed mindset, the person with less talent and the growth mindset over time is going to outperform the person with more talent. And the really good news is you can learn to shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, which to me is the first step in developing what I call the creative mindset. Right. So I've looked particular, you know, so, so Dweck's work, what I love about her work is, I mean, this is what I've been teaching people forever. Yes. But it's great to get some academic validation. It's not just, ooh, woo, woo, positive thinking and everything will work out. Even the New York Times science section recently wrote, the power of positive think- thinking finally gained scientific credibility. All right. That was in a review of uh, uh, Dr. Norman Doidge's book on the brain that changes itself. How, so, how does he spell his name? Do you remember Doidge? Yeah, yeah. D O I D G E. He's okay. The the brilliant uh, writer about what I call clinical neuroplasticity. 
So we know that neuroplasticity, the, the, you know, here's the thing about neuroscientists, they don't make up new words casually. So people have heard this word neuroplasticity. Neuro means neuron, brain cell. Plasticity means changeable, flexible, adaptable. We all grew up with a mindset, with a paradigm. Paradigm is just a word for collective mindset. We grew up with this collective mindset that I call the neurostatic mindset. We believe that your neuronal endowment was fixed at age seven, and there was nothing you could do to improve for the rest of your life. Moreover, we believed once you hit 30, it started to decline, and there was nothing you could do to improve. I call that the neuro-necrotic mindset. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Necrosis meaning yeah, death. Right. But now, so now we have neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, the idea that we can actually generate new brain cells. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, we can generate new connections between them. And we can go new, on- New pathways. Yes. yes. So uh, uh, I teach in my, all my previous books are about how to do that. Yeah. And in this new book, in Creativity on Demand, uh, section two is mastering the creative mindset. Section three is mastering the creative process. Right. Section one is mastering creative energy. Right. Because what if you could imbue the, that mindset with more vitality? Right. What if you could imbue the processes with more creative energy? Yes. It takes it all to a whole other level. A whole other level. You know, there's another research project that just, I loved. I just loved it. It was, um, I let's see, who was it? Let me just kind of look that up. Oh, it was Zebelina and Robinson. Yes. Called Child's Play. Yes. Do you remember that one? Sure. Can you describe that one? Because I just think it it really said something to me. Well, the, they... They did an experiment with people, uh, and they had imagined that they had a free day. And what would you do with your free day? This is just the really simple version of it. And one of the groups was just told, okay, you're you. You have a free day. What are you going to do? Uh, the other group was told, these are all adults. The other group was told, uh, you're a kid, and you're off from school. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, guess who came up with a lot more creative plan for their day? <laughs> the people who imagine themselves as children. Yes. You know, the, the people who thought, contemplated that question in their normal lives thought, okay, well, I'll do chores and uh, yeah. I'll do the vacuuming um, and I'll shop. And, more errands, right. more to-do list. Right. Yeah. And just by asking people to imagine themselves as children, not only did they come up with really creative, fun things to do, but then they give them creativity tests after they do that. And the people who imagine themselves as children just way outperform the people who just are what they are, which is just regular old uninspired adults. So what what was the difference? What what did they discover was the difference in imagining yourself as a child with a day off from school, whoopee, to an adult, oh, you get an extra day? Right. Well, th what the difference was the people who imagined themselves as children were far more imaginative. They had them write essays about what you would do with the day. And the, those who imagine themselves as children obviously wrote much more imaginative, creative, inspiring essays. And then they gave them standard tests of creative thinking, and the people that imagine themselves as children scored higher on the test. It's a, now, that says a lot. So we need to go to our child brain, our child, whatever you, well, you want to call is, it. So when, when, when I teach a, a Qigong or Tai Chi class and people are doing the movements, I say to them, okay, 
Now, let's do the same thing, but imagine you were 20 years younger. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And instantly, everybody has more energy. (laughs) So your mind has this unbelievable power to change your energy in an instant. And for thousands of years, people have cultivated, okay, what can you do in that instant? What can you do in five minutes, 10 minutes, or 20 minutes to raise your core baseline of creative energy to manifest whatever you want to manifest in your actual real life every day. I'm here with Dr. Michael Gelb. He's the author of Creativity On Demand. And if you want to be in touch with him and know more about his work, you can go to his website, michaelgelb.com. And Gelb is spelled G-E-L-B. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Michael J. Gelb, and he's the author of Creativity on Demand, How to Ignite and Sustain the Fire of Genius. Michael, let's talk about your creative toolkit. Uh, that's a, Besides all the Qigong practices mm-hmm. that you have in the book, you really go into quite a bit of detail about this creative toolkit. So let's talk about the five aspects of that. Sure. So if you can just mention... The, the name of the five, and then we'll go into a little mm-hmm. more detail on each one. Sure. Well, uh, Abraham Maslow said, uh, the person who only has a hammer treats every problem as a nail. Mm. And I follow Maslow with this warning, watch out for the person who only has a screwdriver. <laughs> and <laughs> having said that, I, what I've observed over the years working with clients around the world is, Uh, people tend to have a default setting for how they approach problems. And if you just do your habitual mode, it's good if the problem happens to suit your mode, but if it's outside of the realm of your habitual mode, then you need to expand your mode and learn that there are different modes and we need to move fluidly between them. Now, the beauty of Qigong and Tai Chi is they teach you how to move fluidly between different modes, kinesthetically and energetically. So that primes you and attunes you to be better able to shift between what I call the five phases of the creative process. And the first phase, of course, is preparation, where you clarify what it is you're attempting to solve. And people often dive into trying to solve something without even figuring out Is this the right question? Is this the real problem? Uh, What prejudices do we have that might be interfering with our ability to look at this in an open and more objective manner? Do we know somebody who's already solved a problem like this? Uh, So when you train yourself to answer these kinds of questions, you're, you're far more evolved in your ability to approach any kind of challenge. I remember a quote from Einstein where he said, if you're looking to solve a problem and you only have one hour to do it, 
He said, I would spend 55 minutes coming up with the best question and then only five minutes on solving it. Well, that's the, the wonderful thing is that when you, you start to read about people who solved amazing problems that changed change the world forever, which real creative thinking, uh, they will offer similar uh, sentiment that, as John Dewey said, a problem well formulated is half solved. Exactly. Uh, Krishnamurti basically said the same thing. Uh, so whether it's it's a educational philosophy, a spiritual teaching, it's critical. What what is the issue? And and in a very practical way, one of uh, the people I interviewed for this book is a great guy named Bert Swerzy, who teaches something called the Inventor Studio at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute (RPI). And Bert, one of his students, was recently featured in the New Yorker magazine because they came up with this amazingly brilliant invention to replace styrofoam. They figured out how to use fungus instead. And so it's completely biodegradable. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's just yes. such a brilliant, beautiful concept. And so Ver Bert has this incubator to help people be creative. And his whole, uh, well, not his whole emphasis, but his primary emphasis is find a real issue, find a real challenge. What's the underlying challenge? So uh, he has some Indian students and they came to him. He said, you know, there's a problem we want to work on. The problem is that uh, if uh, untouchables, if people from the lower caste uh, uh, touch food, then it can only be eaten by untouchables and so much food goes to waste. And we want to work on how to you know, change that with the food distribution system. And Bert said to them, no, work on the real problem. Let's figure out how to get rid of the caste system. Oh, yeah, go on to me. Now, an example of this in my life, I used to be for many years on the board of Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. And I remember we were having a problem about something that came up on the board, and we were having a retreat, a weekend retreat. And I just felt like, oh, I know what we should do because we were just kind of stuck. We should divide up in groups and each group find their, their solution and come back together. And there was one person on the board who said something that I'll never forget. He said, well, Justine, that's a good idea, but um, I don't really know the territory we're in enough yet to even talk about solutions. And that just like, Bam, it just hit me like how much I I tended to go for solutions really quickly because I'm uncomfortable in that um I I if in that incongruity, you know, of not having a solution. You you even talk about that uh, a a a what is it called? The incongruity theory, I think mm -hmm. you call it. That to hang out in that place a little bit longer, or maybe a lot longer. A lot longer. But your instinct was good in uh, in terms of let's get into small groups and instead of looking for solutions and figure out what the issue really is, <laughs> and well, then actually, come yeah. back and share that. Uh, and then, yeah. then, then when you you have a deeper understanding of what anyway, this is the preparation phase of the process. Uh, now, a lot of times people, if you do a really good preparation phase, uh, if you clarify what your challenge is, in many cases, the solutions become apparent. When they don't, that's where you need creativity. 
And that's where you shift into the generation mode, where you generate lots of ideas. And then the mode that most people miss out on, which is probably the most important, that's the incubation mode. So we all know we get our best ideas in the shower or walking in nature or four o'clock in the morning. But most organizations don't build in time for breaks and reflection and receptivity uh, into their process. They get everybody together, say, okay, today we're going to solve this problem. Nobody leaves, so we get the answer. And then they make a, a decision that's not as well considered as it might be because they didn't give themselves enough time to literally sleep on it. To sleep on it. And oftentimes, there'll, there'll be, if you're working with a group of people, you only have a couple of hours uh, you know what I mean? I mean, like we'll say, okay, here's a problem, and then you just kind of generate, and then it's over, and everybody leaves, and mm. nothing happens. So, I one of the simple pieces of guidance I give my clients is plan your meeting at the minimum over the course of an overnight, because you you will be so much more productive if you literally sleep on it. Now you have to work with great intensity. You know, if you don't work with great intensity, if you don't study and focus and and think with with complete intention and clarity and energy you don't have anything to incubate right so it's not just okay let's pull out the ouija board and go you know commune <laughs> with nature right. for inspiration no you have to actually be grappling with something to the point it's actually a good idea to grapple to the point of frustration and beyond and then surrender into the incubation mode and be receptive of course eventually you're going to take the ideas that have been generated through this process and you need to evaluate them. So that's the evaluation mode. Uh, but going back just yes. just before staying with the generation, mm -hmm. that's where the mind map can come in too. Well, the mind map right. can actually be useful in, in all these phases. In all of the phases. And it, so in, yeah. in, in this new book, I talk about how to use mind mapping in all these all phases. All these phases, okay. Uh, and uh, there's a chi practice to empower each of the phases. Yes. So we, that's, the, that's what's really unique about this is... I asked many of the greatest Qigong masters in the world, what is the number one practice you would recommend to the, that the average person can do in 20 minutes or less to raise their baseline of creative energy? And I took those practices and put them in the book. But having now studied this and, and teaching Qigong myself for many years and studied with lots of masters in different traditions, I then was focused on, my challenge was, what's the perfect archetypal movement to align with the energy, for example, of the evaluation phase, which has three roles. There's the angel's advocate, where you look at the benefits of the ideas that have been proposed. The devil's advocate, where you look at the weaknesses. And then you must judge, you must ultimately decide. And there are three very different Modalities. There's some people who always want to criticize everything. They say, let me play devil's advocate. There's other people all rosy and optimistic, and they say, let's look at all the positive benefits. No, don't be negative. And then there's other people who, who actually are able to, to say, okay, let me weigh it all and, and make the decision. But we all have to do all of these modes. So the, in the book, there are Qigong practices. There's a Qigong practice to access the energy of optimistic, open thinking. And it's ancient. There is a practice for attuning yourself to the energy of the devil's advocate. Okay, I must protect this idea by thinking about everything that could go wrong with it. And then there's, there's 
an ancient, ancient practice for putting yourself into a state where you literally put yourself on the balance point between the energy of yin and yang. And you're here in this state, you're able to be much more neutral. It's, it's, a, it's basically the translation from Chinese is the neutrality stance. So we're, we're empowering these notions of the creative toolkit with this ancient wisdom tradition. And then it all uh, comes into emergence. This is why the book is called, the subtitle is Ignite and Sustain the Fire of Genius. Because a lot of people ignite it. They get lots of ideas. They get an inspiration, but they don't actually implement it which is why the implementation phase completes this uh, fundamental phase toolkit. And then the energy you need to implement something is different than the energy you need to think of it. So we have specific practices that help you access that energy you need. Okay, now I need to actually do this. And this is where, this is, this is where a lot of the chi uh, techniques from the martial arts come in handy because now you have to access your warrior energy to overcome all the resistance and the politics and get the funding and then get more funding to make your idea actually happen. Tell me, Michael, in in talking about these, and you describe them very, very well in the book so people can get, and from the pictures in your description, can really get the energy. But do you also have DVDs that show this or something like that? Well, what... What, we're, what we have is I'm putting some of the more complex practices, even though we, we, we're very careful with the illustrations uh, from the inside out. We spend a lot of loving attention to help you be able to do the practices without even looking at the illustrations. We mm-hmm. actually brought yeah. people over and we had one person read. Yes. And then I was watching to see what people did. And they mostly did what I wanted them to do. So, uh, right. so yeah. we really worked hard on getting the directions exactly. just right so you can really yeah. do it. Having said that, I'm going to put some a free video on my website of the more complex practices okay. just so you can see yeah. what it really looks like. And then we're also going to do higher production videos that will offer Great. I'm here with Dr. Michael Gelb, and he is the author of Creativity on Demand, How to Ignite and Sustain the Fire of Genius. And if you want to know more about his work and, and find those, those videos uh, streaming, you can go to his website, michaelgelb.com. And Gelb is spelled G-E-L-B as in boy. MichaelGelb.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Dr. Michael Gelb, and we're talking about creativity and chi, our vital energy, and how they're related. Michael, I want to describe something to you. Your, your book really helped me in something because I recently signed up for a Qigong class, and it was an hour and a half. And I got in there, the music was really, really low, almost subliminal, and the teacher was speaking really softly, and the lights were low. Michael, I, I, my, I almost went crazy. <laughs> I almost went crazy. Yeah. I could. I, in <laughs> fact, recently I've taken up uh, the activity of ping pong, mm. and ping pong for seniors, where I'm moving around. That's and just, great. <laughs> so it it just drove me crazy. I, I I never went back to the class. It just did not suit me. However, in, and I thought, okay, Tai Chi, Qigong is not for me. But in reading your book, in, there was one little point that you made when I think you were talking about the standing practice, mm-hmm. which I thought, this is a very good practice for me. And you, you said something about, just start off, no more than five minutes. You work up to a kind of stamina and I really got it. Here was a teacher. She she had to fill an hour and a half, and so she, you know, so so she was destroying it all at us. When I, I was not prepared for that, but to take something and go really slowly, and I could do five minutes and start to work up. So, can you say something about that? Sure. Well, first of all, one of the first practices I teach, it's in the book, but it's called the inner smile. And it puts you in the right attitude. (laughs) It amazes me. I've been doing stuff like this forever. I mean, I went to my first meditation class 42 years ago. Uh, I started studying yoga uh, with disciples of Swami Satchidananda in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts in 1974. Uh, I've been doing Aikido. I've been doing all this especially focused on the body, mind, spirit, uh, interconnection, working with the vital energy. It's always been my passion. And I've always just wondered why people look so serious and miserable. (laughs) I I mean, why would you do this thing? Why do you go in there? I think people take the kind of Puritan work ethic and then they apply it to these ancient wisdom traditions. <laughs> you know, and, and I, mean, I love to think about the Puritans because these were people who left England because they thought England was too much fun <laughs> and too sensual. And they came here and said, okay, let's dress in black and white and be really miserable. And so people say, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get this asana whether it kills me or not. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm gonna stand here and you know, it's this practice is joyful, uh, playful, enlivening. I teach this to corporate clients, for example. And I say, you don't have to to believe in chi. You don't have to believe in any of this. Just let's have a class for 20 minutes. And if you don't feel, if you don't feel much better, then don't do any, don't, don't come back. Don't do any more of it. See that that's where it is. Like, let's have a class for 20 minutes for beginners. That is plenty. That's huge. 
and you can get so much and you feel the benefit and you're not going into resistance about, okay, what time is it? I can't stand at the slowness, the transition, learning a new, oh, gosh. Well, see, but the thing is, and you know, the teacher you went to may actually know a lot about Qigong, but may not know a lot about teaching. Yeah, <laughs> or has to fill an hour and a half because but, but they set hour, it up but, that but fill, way. We could have a we could have a blast. We're filling an hour and a half here with our conference. We could have we could do we could do this all day, right? Exactly. So, if you're if you're accessing this energy, which is it is universal, it is creative, it's all around us, it's free. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Unlike other forms of energy. When you, this is our greatest natural resource. Mm. And we can learn what, I mean, what's better than learning how to bring that sense of joie de vivre from the inside out to your life when you're sitting on an airplane, which I do a lot, yeah, or when you're at an airport transfer lounge or when you get to your generic hotel room on your way to go do whatever else you have to do. I mean, yeah, it's obviously, I love practicing all this and I've practiced it on the great beaches of the world and under the oculus of the Pantheon in Rome, literally uh, in front of the Taj Mahal, on the Parthenon. So I've done Qigong in really cool places. Yeah, it's extra special, wonderful. But I can, I can bring that quality when I'm in my hotel room. Mm-hmm. And what I want, you know, what I want my readers to get from this book is how to bring that quality to your life in the simple everyday things that you do. So the the, the first practices in the book are lying down, sitting, standing, walking, and breathing. Well, you're doing those things anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what if we just gave you a few clues based on thousands of years of yeah. lineage tradition to enrich your experience of these everyday activities. That's how simple and, and elegant and beautiful it is. Right. Then we, we get into some of the more, uh, well, creative practices. And that's part of what was really, really fun. One of the creative things that happened in this book. So I I studied with all these masters. I've, I've been doing 50 days of Qigong retreat with masters for the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I've been studying this and teaching this for over 25 years right. uh, before yeah. I got yeah. the inspiration to write to write this book. Uh, but one of the inspirations that that really came upon me in the process of writing this book was the, the creation of new Qigong forms to give people a deeper experience of their creative potential. So you're bringing it up to the 21st century. What what you're adapting something that has long right. lineage. It's kind of I think in Tibetan they call it the rime, uh, sort of new wisdom comes mm-hmm. in. So uh, is that what you're talking about? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah. working. You're, yes. It's what you're saying. Somehow you're getting feedback that that people are. Being more creative, they're tapping oh, into their genius they, more. They're feeling more energized. People love this, and they really want to. I, when I so two of the exercises that uh, I offer in this book, one is the Da Vinci Chi practice. Oh, you're going to make us just like Leonardo, huh? Yeah. Well, right. how do, what about embodying the and evoking the archetypal energy of Leonardo da Vinci and right. his genius? 
which I've explored, obviously, in How to Think Like Leonardo. There's seven principles for thinking like Leonardo da Vinci. So in Creativity on Demand, you learn the seven Qigong practices that access each of those da Vinci principles and give you a deeper sense of kinesthetic and energetic connection with them. So this is something that you've added to your previous work. You're now adding these Qigong exercises to it. So it's a, it's not just a brain thing, not just oh, right. thinking about yeah. it. It's like putting it down in Big our bodies. Time. And we're not just at, we're not just adding it. We are blending it, yeah. synergizing it, yeah. empowering it. I teach I go all over the world 35 years. I have more energy now than I ever have. I'm teaching when I started I was teaching people twice my age. Now I'm teaching people half my age. And I was thinking, well, is it it's obviously not just the information that I'm giving them, is it? It's the energy that is being transmitted. And I thought, well, how have I cultivated that energy myself? Right. How can other people cultivate that energy? For some people, they had that energy when they were younger, but the pilot light has gone out. So we were going to ignite it for them. Once it's ignited, what are how could you bring together everything? In, in Creativity on Demand, I just aim to put together the absolute most essential, most powerful, most useful things I've learned in my whole life about how you can develop a creative mindset, what are the most powerful creative tools, and then how you can supercharge them with chi. And I'm just saying, hey, this would just be great to just put in our schools, in our pre-kindergarten, in our kindergarten classes, and in, in for young people uh, as a as an uh, an activity that would just super. We, I think you mentioned in the book, we de de genius right. our kids, and there you go. Well, we this is this book is about regeniusing. Regeniusing <laughs> ourselves, yes, yes. One of the ones that I liked was the bow, the mm -hmm. the, the the bow. Uh, the creative uh, warrior draws the bow. Uh, yeah, I, you know when when we're really when we got it all set because we've gone through, we've gone through the different practices. So the practice of uh, the creative process, the toolkit preparation. Generation, incubation, evaluation, implementation. And so I guess this would be when you're ready to implement it, you go to the bow stance and is that right? It's it's one of the stances yeah. you can yeah. use to access that warrior type energy that you need to overcome resistance and stay focused on manifesting your intention. Right, right. So it's not just we're we're going beyond just okay. We figured out the problem, but then we have to actually manifest it. Michael, it's just been a pleasure being with you. I I want to thank you so much for joining us once more on New Dimensions. My pleasure. Thank you. I've been speaking with Michael Gelb, and as as he's mentioned, he's the author of of many books, including. Uh, Innovate like Edison. Also, he, he mentioned, and, and you can look this up, how to think like Leonardo da Vinci and his most recent book, Creativity on Demand, How to Ignite and Sustain the Fire of Genius. And if you want to know more about his work, I encourage you to go to his website, michaelgelb.com. That's G-E-L-B as in boy, Michael Gelb. 
Com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3515. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.